Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity Internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity. The future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network. And it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com. I'm WSB's Clark Howard. Howard. From Dunwoody to Douglasville. Washington to Woodstock. Whenever and wherever there's Better severe weather, a traffic red alert, or breaking news. The WSB 24-hour breaking news center will break in. Depend on it. The Mark Aram Show is performed before a live studio audience. No, I want this town to be near you. No, gray skies ever turn blue. Welcome to the show and a good Friday Eve to you. Mark Aram here, you there. This is the Mark Aram Show. Heard every Monday through Friday, 10 to midnight on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Great way to start your weekend tonight. I like to bring the funny on Fridays, and there are none funnier than my next guest, a Saturday Night Light. Saturday Night Live legend. <laughs> he is Chris Catan. He is in town to perform at the Atlanta Improv this weekend. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. And what was the original uh, term you said for Saturday Night Like? Saturday Night Like. I kind of liked it. Saturday Night Kind of like it. Saturday Night Like. You had a huge, long, amazing run on that show. Uh, yeah, I had a good time. I, uh, I uh, you know, I, I got on that show wanting to do... Uh, a lot of characters. My goal was to come up with a, a variety of different characters, kind of like a Mike Myers, and uh, I think I did pretty good. When I when I was leaving the show, I remember Lorne Michaels telling me, saying that uh, you know you were a staple on the show. You'll always look back and be one of the staples. Well, I mean, obviously, you had uh, you know if you look at the uh, the historical stats of the cast members mm-hmm. of Saturday Night Live. You're one of the the longest serving cast members. That's, that's I, th- a- I think so. I well, you know, I yeah. I was I was I was happy to have a lot of uh, a lot of the characters that I wrote or came up with ended up being reoccurring, which was always not just flattering, but it's easy to <laughs> yeah. to write uh, for in the future because uh, you know longevity and. Uh, um, being able to come up with stuff uh, creatively is, is really the only way to exist on a show like that. You know, you don't just you're not like doing a you know a cast of friends. You yeah. have people <laughs> writing for you. Um, but is, is that how it works? Like you you were you were tasked with coming up with your own characters and then you present them. Well, um, in the audition for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can't you you just. Um, just like in the in the business itself, you can't rely on other people. You mm-hmm. really it do you do ha- it does have to fall back on you, and um, so when it comes to like something new for yourself, uh, I mean, writers will help you sure for sure, but um, you know what you you do best, you know, as a creative person, you just do, and and you have the best answers for any questions that you might have, and um, so I had the best. Uh, I, I just had a good vision. I, I mean, of course, I did run out of some steam, you know. I had a, a lot of the characters I did, uh, like, say, the, the Mango character, 
uh, was created at SNL. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, say, the Roxbury guys, I created that with Will Ferrell at the Groundlings. Uh, the Mr. Peepers, the monkey thing was created at the Groundlings. Which so, is and that, a, that's improv. That's the improv you, group yeah. in an L.A. based improv troupe where I uh, started first. And um, see, I, I dabbled in improv for a little bit, but I did c- you? I just I was I was decent at it. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't come up with characters, voices like that was my weakness. Yeah, I'm like you need you need it, it's, that. It's hard. It's yeah. um, you know I don't know the trick other than knowing how to go deep and um, being able to somehow learn how to write. You know, sure. You have to. I mean, writing is really uh, and improvising. It's a task where you're literally kind of like letting anything come out of your mouth, but at the same time, you're editing it. You know, it's Understood, a, it's a yeah. very tricky way to do it. But um, you know, it's um, but it's but it's 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 hard. You can't come up. It's very hard to come. I mean, you know, hard to come up with characters like that all the time. It's. I mean, it's, it's, you think about Peter Sellers or Mike Myers yeah. and these guys. You know, they're they're. But I mean, you, is you, a you limit came up with some legendary idea. ones. I mean, the, the characters that when they do the retrospective fifty years from now, yeah, you'll be on there with well, I, a bunch of characters. I was excited when I got to go to the Saturday Night Live fortieth anniversary. How was that? It was was. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. It was like just... I mean, everybody described it as... Uh, it was unbelievable. It was just un- indescribable. I mean, it was like, you know, uh, there was a point where we all were, were all huddled huddled on the goodnight stage and like just to the right of me was Eddie Murphy and then there was Arcade Fire and Mick Jagger and Trump and, and you know, Derek Jeter and Farrell and, well, and it, it was just Bill Murray, it was Steve Martin. It was insane. It as was a insane. viewer, I was... I mean, I knew this was going to be an awesome, the special, the, the reunion was going to be awesome, but I was blown away by the fans in the audience, like yeah. the celebrities in the audience. Well, yeah, well, that's what's crazy, that you, uh, and I guess it's true, it's still hard to believe it, but these guys are fans of us, mm-hmm. and we're fans of them, yeah. and in a way, we're all part of the same team. I mean, really think about it, sure. and in that evening, nobody really had any... Uh, uh, there wasn't any separation in feeling like, uh, oh, there's uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. And Spielberg was there too, you yeah. know, like, there's Tom Hanks, leave him alone, you know, don't talk to him. But it was like, that was a night of like, well, that's the whole point of tonight. Yeah. We're all in the same class. Even like George Lucas and, and, and Prince and, you know, it's just, they <laughs> it were insane. all fans I, I of the I had a film. fan watching it. I can only imagine what it was like being Yeah, it was, there. it was pretty cool. And it was exciting too. I remember... Uh, you know, I was of course counting how many scenes I was in when they're showing the clips, and yeah, I was yeah. like, "Oh, poor!" Yeah. I was like, 15 <laughs> clips." I was like, "That's awesome, fifteen that is clips," really good. which is kind of neat. But I mean, it was just—it was just a real um, pleasure to be part of that. Uh, and, well, and, I'm proud of and, you. I've um, just met you, but I'm super proud of you. No, that, th- that's an awesome. Run. That, that really is, and it's also the ne- it's also neat too because it doesn't it doesn't separate you from being a success from the show. It actually kind of makes you part of a successful. Uh, institution sure. on its own and, and that makes you realize that that enough is, is really how it is that, Chris, I mean that's the best thing possible. Chris Catan in studio he's at Atlanta Improv tomorrow night tickets available for two shows 745 and 1015 Atlanta Improv dot com when you were a, just a regular cast member on the show mm-hmm. is there is there one um, show in particular that sticks out in your mind whether it was because of the host or a performance or anything that you look back and go that was SNL at its best when I was there. Well, there are, there are quite a few. I mean, for me, I would say the one that I got all my sketches in. <laughs> Usually, <laughs> yeah. that helps. Uh, I, I was I lucked out when I first got there. Lauren was uh, very uh, 
very lenient in letting me have my sketches or trying them out on the show and he trusted me and what I came up with and what the audience would like however the uh, the table read the read throughs they were not uh, laughing mm -hmm. very much when I was hired I was hired like six weeks before before the end of the season which is a strange time yeah, to hire somebody um, and I think some people felt a little threatened I could completely understand that and um, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, in an alienated spot, uh, except for Farrell I knew very well, and, and he actually was the one that helped me get on the show because we were partners at Groundlings. And that poor guy just could he, never get his career off the ground. Yeah, huh? he just couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> um, but uh, he's such a good guy, and so uh, and also we created a lot of stuff at the Groundlings, and without me we couldn't do him on the show, like the Roxbury sure. guys. and and um, But, but uh, when I got there um i had a whole bag of tricks really and um you know and i and i tried them all out and they they seemed to be working and in fact i was i think i believe i, th I believe i was the first uh cast member uh feature player to ever get uh, uh, a sketch that i wrote on the first week that i wow. was on was started and it was the first sketch of the whole night which it's is usually sketch. yeah opening sketch yeah. which is I think that was this the only time it's one. ever happened, and uh, and then it happened again the second week, and then it happened the third week. So obviously, so it's on this that role point, of like you're you're confident, but before you got there, when they said, "All right, we're bringing you in at the you know toward the end of the season," sure, were you you know intimidated, nervous? What was what was going through? Well, your head honestly, then? I was I was I, I I auditioned when Will auditioned and Sherry O'Terry and um, a few others, and. Um, I didn't get it. I didn't get it because I wasn't uh, at a Groundlings show where Lorne Michaels decided to come see us perform. And uh, nobody else in the Groundlings told me he was coming uh. while I was out of town, which is another, <laughs> I know, showbiz, you know, yeah. it just doesn't. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't hired. And then um, I was pretty, I was angry, yeah. you know, and disappointed and bummed out. And I was kind of, screw SNL, it sucks. And... <laughs> You know, the, I kept performing at the Growlings, and my sketches became, instead of four minutes, they were ten minutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just dragging it out and kind of... But that actually kind of made me a better performer in some ways. And then all of a sudden, Will called and said, hey, uh, Lauren wants you to on the show, what do you think, blah, blah, blah. I said, I guess, sure. Yeah. And uh, literally, it was like four days later, I was on the show, and I think my... my I was so comfortable... I think was, I was very comfortable... Uh, because I think I at that point I not that I didn't care, but it the excitement was over. Gotcha. You know, because it was such a letdown that I didn't get it. That now it was like um, I'm ready to work. Yeah. You know, let's do this. Uh, let's do this. Well, that's, uh, that, that, uh, you know, that probably I think that really, got better for you. Oh, oh, for sure, yeah. definitely. Yeah, and it helped my sex life tremendously. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you. About, all right, so you go from uh, SNL, um, which is you know groundbreaking. Uh, improv, your writing, and now you're on The Middle, which is an amazing, like, family-oriented sitcom. Mm -hmm. um, real quick, in like a minute if you can, um, what's it like being on a sitcom after doing an SNL kind of show? Um, well, I was, a, I was fortunate enough to do some films, too, um, when I got SNL, studio films, mm -hmm. so they had a, a, a pretty good budget, you know. There was the... F you know the silly comedies like the Ro Roxbury and Corky Romano, but then there were some legitimate films like uh, uh, Robert Zemeckis did this House on Haunted Hill, so I got to work with like Jeffrey Rush and 
you know, and some good actors. And there was another, there's a few other films that were actually legitimately sure. where I had to do some acting stuff. And um, that really helped me. And, and um, do the, um, actually also in theater, in, in, when I was in school, I, I was a big theater major and I did a lot of like Tennessee Williams and The Crucible mm -hmm. and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was, I was, I don't know if I was a believable actor. I guess I was a pretty good actor, but <laughs> yeah, I, I was comfortable being serious. Um, but so that was uh, that that worked in my favor when um, it came time to um, to doing the middle because that was that was being very aware of the camera. However, uh, doing the middle was different because it wasn't about about of a it wasn't about a group so much as it it was about. Patricia, because sure. <laughs> it was her show, yeah. and uh, as talented as she is, uh, uh, you, there is a um, a respect that is uh, important to uh, c you know that you need to you know be sure to <laughs> yeah you know you, you have to respect. And there's nothing wrong with I mean obviously I respected the guest hosts on the show yeah. of, when I was SNL, but they're that is a po an important thing and i i didn't realize that like uh, to show up you know a little earlier than them and because these things are important to uh people yeah, no doubt. <laughs> like that on um, when you're on a show like that Interesting. and also making sure and, and goofing around is probably not a good idea you know <laughs> where snl was like goofing around we're goofing around like around, yeah. it's like goofing around was our creative process uh for the middle was like don't goof around just Understood. do your lines know your mark you know and just move on to the next thing, uh, yeah well that you know? that pretty much answers my question like, and then everybody goes home sooner you know yeah. and people have families you know and all the they snl were like we just want to party well yeah we just want to <laughs> we're just like we don't know what we're doing we're exactly. just goofing around and yet nobody tells us not to to stop no one ever says be quiet hey shut up we got to move on here basically they are quiet because they're waiting for us to stop goofing around gotcha. and, and i think that's a that's a different place where that is actually encouraged because that's part of the creative process something like the middle or sitcoms like that where there's a lot of money involved by the way yeah, too absolutely. there's a studio and they come down and they say you know why are we at four it's four o'clock we're supposed <laughs> to be done at three yeah there's a big difference behind it so if you could nail your line and i got good at it you know i definitely yeah, absolutely so i had some preparation I, I was good at getting my line out one or two in the first take or two so they always appreciated that that's good um, can, you, can you hang out one more second sure all right chris Grishan in studio he's at atlanta improv this weekend tomorrow night get tickets 745 and 1015 two shows atlantaimprov.com we'll be right back this is the mark aram show mark aram on 95.5 at am 750 wsb welcome back to the mark aram show joining me live in studio uh chris Catan. he is now doing stand-up apparently he'll be at the atlanta improv Tonight, uh, or tomorrow night rather, 7.45 and 10.15, tickets available online at AtlantaImprov.com. Chris, uh, before I let you go, we have a game here we like to play on the Mark Aram Show called... Now, it's time for... Who's in your phone? And I want you to pull out your phone and sure. blow me away with someone like really super duper famous that you could just call... Do I show it to you or you just say it? You could say it and show it to me. I mean... Okay, let's see. <laughs> I have... I have a few. If they're been disconnected since then, I don't know. <laughs> that's not a, that's not on your shoulders. That if they okay, pay their okay. bill, then here's um. So I'll just show it to you. Okay. Can I say it out loud? Yeah. 
Cameron Diaz is in his phone. Wow. Pretty good, right? That's very good. Oh, wait. Here's a really good one because it has all her connections. Uh-oh. Like all, all her numbers and emails and address and everything. Wow. That's as an 80s baby. That's, that's a good one. Drew Barrymore, ladies has and gentlemen. Has her home, mobile, other, and work. I adore her. Two emails and address. You beat you beat uh, Patricia Heaton, who had Justin Justine Bateman, who is cute as a bug. <laughs> no, loved but that's her, a good one. But uh, but that's amazing. Very cool. Ooh, All right, uh, Chris, can we follow you on social media websites? Yes, please. Because we uh, I only have like three followers. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's at Chris Catan. C H R I S K A T T A N. Done and done. Following you now, my friend. Tomorrow night, Atlanta Improv, seven fourteen and ten fifteen. Here's a, you got another one. I'm excited. This is a weird. This means I gotta get. I still have Heath Ledger in here. Oh no, you can't delete it though. You keep it in there. <laughs> you keep that in there. Yeah, I keep. I've all got right. a bunch of people that have passed that are still on my phone. <laughs> this is a weird thing Not to have. At all. Like I still have their <laughs> phone number, but I guess it's it's. Uh, I guess the phone will be a, a fun thing to have. Well, you can call Peter Falk. I have Peter Falk in here. That- <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, Will Ferrell, that- Tina Fey. Well, those are all, like, SNL people, though. Obviously, those people would be there unless That's amazing. Ama- and you know what? In six months, call Ledger's phone, and whoever answers back, by the way, you have Keith Ledger's <laughs> old phone number, and then hang up. <laughs> you know, John Lovitz plays this game, and he does say, like, who you got, who's more famous in your phone? And he always pulls out um, Tom Hanks. Oh, that's, yeah. You can't really <laughs> top that. That's good. Chris, no, thanks, that good thanks so much for coming into the show. Oh, of course. It was um, fun. Best luck in the future. Thank and, you. Uh, and we'll see you again soon. Please. And enjoy, uh, if you come to the show, enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you look great in purple. <laughs> Thank you, Too buddy. bad the viewers can't see it, but oh my God, it's <laughs> news, a joy. News, weather, and traffic next. This is The Mark Aram Show. I'm WSB's Mark Aram. The WSB 24-hour breaking news center is on alert. Alert. Immediate breaking news. Severe weather alerts. Traffic red alerts. From Cobb to Cherokee. Carroll to Gwinnett. Fulton to Forsyth. And all the rest. All the rest. WSB. WSB. Depend on it. This is WSB radio reporter and anchor Bill Cacciaccio, and you're listening to The Mark Aram Show. Just be thankful you don't have to watch him eat. Monday through Friday on News 95.5 AM 750 WS. Serious question. Okay. If you had to go out of town with wifey mm-hmm. and you needed a babysitter, who would you prefer watch your kid, me or Low T Chuck? Oh, wow. <laughs> no pressure. Um, I'd say you, I guess. Really? Yeah, you're married. That's true. You're more settled down. Little T Chuck's just got a bevy yeah, he's of emails coming through his door. Yeah, he's gonna give her a yeah, bottle really and then and then go outside and go out and or he's, something. And he's from Montana. Too, yeah, so yeah. We don't know shady. how they do stuff in Montana. Uh, the headline on <laughs> throw a clean diaper on him, put him in the back there. They're on fine. a him. It's a girl. Yeah, it's a girl. Uh, anyway, the headline on myajc.com says it all. Allegations of improper benefits. 
Ground Georgia's girly. Every time I'm out, they pull me back in. Georgia, being a Georgia fan is just so frustrating because every time you think you're on the precipice of a championship, a title, something like this pops up. Joining us live now, uh, a columnist extraordinaire from your Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he is Jeff Schultz. Jeff, I, I just don't know how lifelong Bulldogs fans can even have any any hair left on their head after year after year of thinking they're so close and then whoosh, pulling, the, pulling the carpet out from underneath them. And again this year, it's something entirely new. Well, as somebody who lost their hair 10, 15 <laughs> years ago, I'm sympathetic with their plight. <laughs> well, well, all right, so just, if, if people are just getting in their car, allegations yeah. have surfaced that Todd Gurley was selling autographs and or memorabilia. In a preemptive move, UGA suspended him indefinitely pending an investigation. The NCAA didn't suspend him yet, but Georgia did. What, what's, the, what's the story here, Jeff? What the hell is going on? Well, I mean, you know, left unsaid too, and it might have actually been in Chip Tower's story, is if it's if it's found that Todd Gurley basically profited off his likeness by selling autographs or memorabilia or whatever, um, and he did this, let's say, you know, in the spring or in the summer, technically any game he played in, um, he would have been ineligible, which means Georgia would have to would have to forfeit those games. So really. When you think about it, it might not just be Todd Gurley not playing Saturday or not playing the rest of the year. If if whatever he did, if he actually did it, and, and the NCAA can prove it, and those are obviously a couple of big ifs, you know, the, his ineligibility goes back to when he first did it, and therefore um, Georgia could be forfeiting some, well, it's four wins, um, or up to four wins. So... I, what happens is, I mean, you know, if you if you think about the A.J. Green thing back in 2010, um, Georgia was informed that the NCAA was looking into what we then learned was the possibility that A.J. had, had sold an independence bowl jersey, which I still maintain that he should have been given an honorary MBA for, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it wasn't even a BCS bowl. Yeah, independence bowl. bowl. You got a thousand bucks for it. I mean... <laughs> Um, he must have at least walked through the hallway of Terry School of Business in the UGA. So, um, and but you recall that Georgia actually suspended him before the NCAA did. Correct. Um, and it was, I think, after the second game where where Georgia suspended him four games or announced a four game suspension, and the NCAA said, "Yeah, we're good with that," because that's what they were going to do mm-hmm. for um, for the jersey. Do we so, know? Do we know, Jeff, how any of this has uh, came to light? Like, how did, how were uh, UGA officials, how were the NCAA tipped off to the fact that maybe Gurley was selling autographs and/or memorabilia? Do we know yet? We don't have confirmations or specifics, but I mean, in general, these things are done because you know an agent got jilted, or because somebody found out about it, um, found out that he had done this, and maybe wanted to get compensated for it and didn't, or just somebody, you know, set him up and had an ax to grind. Um, frankly, and, and I, I know that Georgia fans would be upset about any of those circumstances, and certainly Georgia fans are upset about the way things are set up, per- um, a period, which is that players can't compensate, uh, can't be compensated for the likeness. Uh, the NCAA basically was just blown up in court, um, in, in the Ed O'Bannon case, saying you can't do that, and and you know I would imagine that thing's under appeal, and it's going to be a while since until the NCAA changes rules. But the bottom line is, regardless of 
how this happened or why this happened or who leaked it to the NCAA. You know, the rules are the rules until they're not the rules. And I, I again, I, you know, I'm getting assaulted by some, some Georgia fans on Twitter, mm-hmm. which was to be expected, but you know, and I know that if this was an Alabama player or a Florida player or, or an Auburn player, of course, you know, they'd all be saying, get him out of there. He's, he's ineligible. Um, but that's just the way fans are. Jeff Schultz from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, joining us on the line here, talking about the Todd Gurley case. Uh, in, in 17 seconds, I just searched um, on eBay Todd Gurley autographs, and there were 211, right. and 64 of them uh, are coming from one salesman, uh, James Spence. And Anthony Amy from Channel 2 uh, right. said that 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 dealer's name has come up. How would a dealer get 64 uh, certified autographs of one player unless there was something uh, nefarious going on? No, I mean, you're exactly right, if, if, assuming that's legitimate. You know, look, it's one thing for for you to go up to Todd Gurley, say, can you autograph my jersey? Mm-hmm. And, and he autographs it, and then you go, you turn around and put that thing on eBay and, and try to sell it for a couple hundred bucks. You know, Todd Gurley is not profiting from that, and, and he can't. He's not on the hook for that. But for an autog- if it's true that a memorabilia dealer has, and, you know, we've looked, and it's like over 300, I think, items, which mm-hmm. are these mini helmets, whatever, that he's got that many items allegedly signed by Todd Gurley with certificates of authenticity, um, then you're right. I mean, that, that basically means that Todd Gurley sat there and signed items. Um, he didn't just, this guy didn't just keep, you know, waiting out Todd Gurley outside of locker rooms during the week or sure. something. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's damning. But, you know, the, in the end, much like the Manziel case, the NCAA is still going to need to find a money trail. And I think that's the big question here. Are they going to be able to prove that Todd Gurley got paid for this? What What does this mean for the uh, short-term prospects of the team this year, Jeff? <laughs> well, we're going to find out a lot about Saturday, uh, Saturday mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Missouri's not the great team it was um, last year, but or very good team it was last year, but they're still pretty good, and they're tough at home, and it's an SEC road game. And, you know, the problem is that while Georgia's a good team probably without Gurley, They've kind of proven to be one-dimensional. They mm-hmm. haven't shown a passing game yet. And, you know, we think Nick Chubb is good. He certainly looks good. But he's not hes not the difference maker Gurley is. I mean, he's the best player in the country. So we'll find out Saturday. But, I mean, I, I think it's a huge step back for, for the team. And, and, we'll, and I'm sitting here wondering, you know, I grew up in the Northeast. I didn't have a favorite college football team. I came to work at WSB. I adopted the Bulldogs. So I've been a fan of them for 17 years. And now I'm second-guessing myself. Shouldn't I have been a fan of Vandy or Duke? <laughs> that way I know what's going to happen every year. I don't have these huge expectations every year, and it never comes to fruition. It's so frustrating to be a Bulldogs fan. Well, you know, I went to Long Beach State, um, and they dropped football altogether. So <laughs> in, in that sense, my, and by the way, coincidentally, the, the program was killed by Dan Radakovich when he was there. So, um I still give him grief for that. Nice, um, but but, you, I, but then you don't even have to worry about it if you don't even have I don't a have team. To worry about yeah. it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like every year. Like, how did they not win with Stafford and Marino? How did they not win a national title that year? Yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm with you, and I and I understand the frustration. And you know, who knows? Even with Gurley in the lineup every game this year, what would have happened? Um, but yeah, you had to like their chances certainly to win the East and. 
you know, they did obviously pretty well against Alabama last time. They almost won that game. Exactly. And, and this is the year, the first year of the playoffs. I think that's why the other, the other reason why people are excited that it wasn't just going to be two people competing for a championship. It was going to be four or four teams. So, um, I mean, even after the even after the loss to South Carolina, it was like okay, they could still win the SEC East. It could still be a great season. And then th- and then then I have to I have to wake up from my mat my nap today with this news on my pillow. So frustrating. All right, he well, is at least you got at least you got the Falcons. No way. <laughs> he is Jeff Schultz. He is uh, on the uh, AJC, a great columnist. He's on Twitter. He's a must follow at Jeff Schultz AJC. Jeff, uh, thanks for staying up late with us, buddy. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. All right, take care, Jeff Soltz from the Learner Journal Constitution. I'm just, I'm just like, oh, why am I? How come I didn't root for Vanderbilt? I don't know. You're like every Cubs fan and Bears fan yeah. every year. No, like you, yeah, it's the same. It's different because the Cubs ah. suck every year. You know, going in, you know, once every twenty years, they oh maybe, but every year it's like, wow, George is going to be good. We're top ten. We're we're going. Boom! Well, Every you, year you get punched in the face. Well, then you should just assume that you suck, no matter what they tell you. And I try. You that I try to do that. Like, ah, they still suck. Here, I, I, I was raised <laughs> at at the uh, the right hand of Larry Munson. Mm-hmm. Like I ha- was so lucky to for so many years to be in the Georgia broadcast booth and and watch and listen to Larry Munson, the biggest pessimistic dog fan there is. So I learned to be a dog fan from Larry Munson. So mm-hmm. I am eternally pessimistic just like he was it's never gonna happen we don't have enough men we did like that's how i became a georgia bulldog fan but even in my depths the depths of my pessimism i go oh my god still that little there's that ray of hope hope, like oh we could do this we could run the table we could and then bam i get punched in the freaking face again julie in woodstock i shall not lay hands on you julie welcome to the program how are you hey mark how you doing what's up buddy well, I'll tell you what, this is not just a Georgia problem because I am an FSU alum and look at our scummy bag quarterback, Mr. Jameis, who got the big head and, you know, started doing all kinds of stupid stuff. I think the biggest problem is the temptation for these guys is so great. The social media, the spotlight on them all the time, the free stuff that they give people. I mean, come on. Tallahassee, you can get anything you want if you're the star Crab legs included. Just like you can if you're Todd Gurley. The temptation is so great that I think that these guys are just saying, you know, and I'm not but saying... It, but here's the, here's the issue, though. Here's the issue, Julie. But I'm just saying it's too much. And and I can't... Listen, the, temp, you're, the temptation is crazy. If I was 20 years old and someone said to me, sign your name 100 times and I'm going to give you $5,000... What 19-year-old is not going to be like, okay, whatever you want. But the but the precedents are there. They've they've seen these athletes have seen what happens. If you risk that short-term gain, you could lose so much the rest of your career. He theoretically Todd Gurley could never might never play a game for Georgia now cuz he's going to the NFL next year anyway. He might have just that $5,000 cost him his final eight games of his college career. It could be that way. Is that yeah, worth it? And if he, well, and it, it didn't, I'd be curious to see where he goes in the draft. How does this drop? Well, it draft, doesn't affect him. You don't think so no, at all? No. I don't know. He doesn't play for that long. I mean, does somebody wait to pick him up instead of picking him up? You know, I, no. I'm just saying, it will, will it, would it affect? Because it could. NFL doesn't give a rat's 
you know, tail think. about no. Nah. They're, they're like, how fast can you run? How yeah. strong are you? Okay, you're good. Yeah, he'll go somewhere. So then who cares? Besides you guys, besides the fan, who cares? No, it's the fans that care. Oh, well then, yeah. yeah. But Again, he's the rare cares? exception. That is, he's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL. Right. Um, there, are other, there are other people that aren't going to be making millions shortly that mm-hmm. are, are violating these NCAA rules. Um, it's it, I, it's such a difficult thing to, to even think about because, again, when I was his age, I was a moron. There's no, I would have done, yeah, $5,000, I'll sign my name, whatever. I'll do whatever you want, 5000 bucks. But it's it's just, as a fan, it's like, oh, I'm so frustrated. And I'm not even a lifelong fan. I'm a freaking Yankee. You know, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a 17-year fan. There's, there's 75-year-old Bulldog fans out there that have been rooting for the team their whole lives. It's, I feel for you, man. Every year, it's something else. I should have been a Vandy fan. Ready or not. Should have been a Duke fan. I wouldn't be dealing with this. Unbelievable. Who's the worst team in the uh, Big Ten? Indiana. Should have been an Indiana fan. Your thoughts on this? 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Broken hearted by a girly. This is the Mark Aram Show. Mark Aram on 95.5 and AM 750. WSB. Uh, back to the phones we go. Kelly is in Athens, hitting close to home tonight. Kelly, how you doing, buddy? Hey. What do you think of this um, whole deal? I think it's ridiculous. As far as I'm concerned, he could have signed all that for charity. I think he's been set up. And uh, we got kids, uh, a few of them parked in front of the stadium with candles at number three. So, you know, it's just wrong. I think he's way too smart for that. I think he's set up. I think he set up. All right, interesting. That that's possible. Listen, innocent until proven guilty. I don't like the fact that there's 230 of his signatures on eBay right now. That seems high. Uh, soy sauce, Pete, alive and well. He'll join us next after news, weather, and traffic, along with uh, Richard and Bill and you. 404-872-0750. This is the Mark Aram Show. Thanks for listening to the Mark Aram Show podcast. Thanks for Xfinity for sponsoring said podcast. A couple of things in life I don't skimp on. Toilet paper, razor blades, seafood. I want the best of the best when it comes to all three. And internet. That's why I use Xfinity internet. And it's the amazing 10G network. The 10G network from Xfinity. The future starts now. Smarter, more consistent, and a secure network. And it only gets better. Jump on board the Xfinity 10G network online. Just go to Xfinity.com.